Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. All right, so where to start? Why don't we start with yesterday's joint practice between the Rams and the Bengals? Yeah, I know. Doesn't sound real sexy. A joint practice is my lead story on a Friday. Kind of weird. Normally, I would not do that. Normally, not only would I not mention a training camp fight at the top of the program, normally I would not mention a training camp fight at all. It's because they're training camp fights. They happen all the time. Except this was not a training camp fight. Like, there are training camp fights, and then there's what went down yesterday with Cincinnati and L.A. Most training camp fights never get beyond a scuffle. You know, guys push and they shove. They talk a little junk. That's about it. Not this. If you're watching it on CBS Sports Network, you can tell that's not what that was. That was more than just your little brouhaha. That was a full-blown melee. That was full-on drowning pool. Except instead of bodies hitting the floor, it was helmets hitting bodies. Near as anybody can tell, it was actually a series of three fights. A trilogy. Bengals tackle Lau Collins, Rams defensive end Leonard Floyd were right at the center of most, if not all of them. However, we all know who the star was. Who was the first guy you were looking for when all hell broke loose? 99. 99. Aaron Donald, of course, was the star. Because the biggest question mark in training camp fights is the helmet. It's always about the helmet. It's always about the bucket, the bonnet. For some reason, a lot of guys will take off their helmets to fight, which is still the second dumbest move there is. Taking your helmet off in a fight is the second dumbest thing ever. The only thing dumber than taking your helmet off to fight is punching a guy who is still wearing a helmet. Now, the smart guys, on the other hand, they know better. They keep their helmets on, and then they weaponize somebody else's bucket. Now, that's smart. And based on the footage of yesterday's melee, Aaron Donald has reinvented the game. I mean, there's no player like him, right? Already, there's no player like Aaron Donald. When you look at that guy and his size and his ability to get leverage and play the game the way he does, he's already like an outlier. However, when it comes to fighting and a joint practice, he also has reinvented the game. Because there is video of Donald holding a helmet in his right hand and one in his left hand while still wearing his own helmet. In other words, dude is going helmets akimbo. Rams bucket on his head, bangle lids in each hand. And they weren't those Guardian bubble helmets either. These helmets were raw. They were unprotected. So from across the field, it looked like Aaron Donald was going full berserker mode. Smash, smash, smash. 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 And while I can't ever condone using a helmet or helmets as weapons and looking to brain other dudes... I do respect the creativity. I do applaud the reinvention. I respect the innovation. Again, taking off your helmet in a fight is stupid. Punching a guy wearing a helmet is even more stupid. Keeping your helmet on, though, and using two other guys' helmets as weapons is smart as hell. And it's a good thing they did cancel that practice because at that point, had they not done so, somebody was leaving on a stretcher. Here's what Bengals coach Zach Taylor had to say. Just got a little scuffly. And so we just called it. We were in the last period and we, we got two really good days of work in. And so was it worth getting the extra couple of plays? No. So we called it up and, and uh, we got two good days of work in and now we'll go play on Saturday. Quote, a little scuffly. Scuffly. Is that what you're going with? A little scuffly. Scuffly. You don't cancel a joint practice before it's over because things got a little scuffly. Scuffly. I mean, it pretty much could have been a damn near riot. And again, I'm not making it bigger than what it was, but when one of the baddest dudes ever is still wearing his bonnet 
and weaponizing two others, any moron who takes his bonnet off is just asking to get his face caved in. And I'm glad nobody did, honestly. Moron. Fat ass. I do have a question. I understand this notion of joint practices. I get why teams do them. But who thought having the Rams and the Bengals schedule a joint practice was a good idea? Who thought that? Because it was not. In fact, it was a horrible idea. I could have told you before dudes started to weaponize their helmets that having those two teams schedule a joint practice was simply asking for trouble. I know in the immediate hours after that fight, the league was trying to figure out if it had any kind of jurisdiction to discipline players in that fight. Normally, in a joint practice, it's up to each team to impose that discipline. But that's not what's important here. Because everybody just dodged a scud. Like, what if Aaron Donald got hurt in that fight? What if Joe Burrow got crowned by a helmet being used as a weapon? What if somebody else was lost for the year in that Royal Rumble? Or somebody does something so heinous in the fight that they do get suspended. As bad as it was, it could have been so much worse. In fact, if it's true that nobody got hurt, to me that's a miracle. Because the entire thing was so preventable. It was the most preventable thing ever. You want to know how to avoid what happened yesterday. Would you like to know how to avoid that scene? You don't have the two teams that met in the Super Bowl like 10 minutes ago have a joint practice in the summer heat. There you go. To quote Matt in L.A., you're welcome. Fixed it for you. You're welcome. Listen, I understand that McVeigh and Taylor are boys. They're smart. They're friends. They're friends, except the players aren't. So for McVeigh and Taylor, that might make a ton of sense. Iron sharpening iron. Except in this case, it was helmet nearly cracking face. For the Bengals players, the worst moment of their football lives came at the hands of the Rams a few months back. And now you're going to have them practice together. You're just going to run that back and act like nothing happened back in February. Dumb idea. Dumb idea. Again, I'm not sure the coaches really thought that through. Like, I'm sure they're fine with it, but that was asking for trouble. And yes, I know that Collins was not a part of the Super Bowl, but it wasn't Collins, or if it wasn't, it could have easily been somebody else who was at the center of those fights. A fight at training camp is pretty likely. A fight at a Bengals-Rams joint practice was a stone-cold lock. I wish Vegas would have put odds on that because that would have parked the house on Rams-Bengals-Rumble. I probably would have tried to parlay that into an Aaron Donald helmets akimbo wager. All right. Now, I know what you clones do. I know what some of you morons do. You take my good, smart, straight take and you try and wedge it into something that's neither smart or good. I know you. I know you. So what I'm going to do is diffuse your imbecility before you get to it. Sorry to wreck your time. Sorry to wreck your text. Sorry to wreck your life. But I'm going to do it for you. Something like, I don't know. Hey, Rome. If that practice continued, Aaron would probably have taken Jamar Chase's cleats and started slicing Hayden Hurst's trachea. Any fantasy degenerates know how many points you get if your player swings two helmets from the other team? Or is it negative points, like fumbling? And again, I want to know who schedules things like that. Here it comes, clones. Wait for it. Because I know you want to tell me this. I'm going to tell it to you so you can't tell it to me. Hey, Rome, if that guy worked at Family Feud, he'd put the Simpsons up against the Goldmans. I'll be your host. All right. All right. Bring it up, families. Name something you wear around your neck. Ron Sr. Uh, a scarf? Show me scarf! 
Number two. OJ, do you have a guest? Uh, a switchblade? You know, we could talk about how complicated other banks make it to redeem credit card rewards, like how they require minimums and worse yet, how their rewards flat out expire. Or we could talk about how with Discover, you can redeem your rewards for cash in any amount at any time. I mean, you want to talk about amazing. And now that we've talked about that, let's get back to the daily jungle. You know, the stuff that we talk about here daily. Learn more at discover.com slash redeem rewards. Terms apply. John Rice Plumley is my guest. John, great to have you on. How are you? I am good. How are you doing? My man, I'm great. I am great. So there's a lot I want to talk to you about, but I want to know, how does it feel to be named starter at UCF and to be preparing to lead this team in the season opener next week? What's your mindset right now? How does it feel? Uh, really, really exciting, you know, to, to be able to get that title. But uh, all the focus is, on, on next week on South Carolina State. All right, so I think that so people can fully appreciate what this means. I want to get into your journey just a little bit because to me it's fascinating. You're from Oak Grove High School in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Brett Favre, of course, is known to spend a little bit of time around there. The story goes that you actually did cross paths with him a few times. You got to throw with him back in the day. What do you remember about that, and what was your takeaway? Yeah, uh, so Mr. Brett, he's an awesome, awesome guy. You know, when I was a little kid, um, I had a number four jersey. Uh, for the Packers, I was I was a huge fan, you know. Um, and so when he started coaching at my high school, I was really excited because I might get the opportunity to learn some stuff from him, you know. And so, um, but he stopped being the offensive coordinator the year before I got on the team, and so I never really got to be coached by him. But my sister, my older sister, played volleyball with his youngest daughter, Breely Farr, and so through that connection. Um, we got to know him pretty well, got to travel around with him, play travel, travel volleyball. And um, I would always bring a football, you know, being the kid, hey, if you ever want to throw, I'm your guy, you know. And so we got to talk a little bit, and uh, it was a really cool experience for me. I like that. Small world. So then you burst onto the scene as a freshman at Ole Miss. You're putting up numbers both passing and rushing. You had five games with more than 100 rushing yards, including 212 rushing yards and four TDs against number one LSU. It was an enormous day. What do you remember about that first year? Um, Really, really fun. Really cool experience. Um, I was living the dream, you know, Mississippi kid getting to play at Ole Miss, being a quarterback. It was a, it was a ton of fun, you know. Um, I felt really blessed to have the opportunity to to do that, and so uh, yeah, I would say that was just a really really cool experience for me. You know, it was amazing, right? But then the journey takes kind of a different twist. Like you set the school rushing record as a freshman, or the school freshman rushing record, and then also over time, total touchdowns, you're in the spotlight, things are going great, but then over time you see less action at quarterback, and then ultimately you move to wide receiver. What was that time and that transition like for you? Um, it was different, you know, because I had never played wide receiver. I've always grown up playing quarterback. And so it was kind of, I guess you could say, hard for me because, you know, that's where my heart was. I love playing quarterback, and that's what I wanted to do. Um, but uh, I was a, a team-over-me kind of guy, you know, and so whatever role that my my role was, I wanted to be able to do it to the best of my ability. And so that's what my role was, and I tried to do it to the best of my ability. Right. So you're a great team guy, and you exercise patience. As I mentioned in the intro, you're also an accomplished baseball player. And I don't want to make light of this because I've got a couple of sons that play baseball, and one played until a senior year of high school. One is in his senior year in high school. I know that deal. I know how hard that is. So the fact that you were playing football and also D1 baseball really is something. At any point did you ever think of leaving football and focusing only on baseball um so there's a there was a point in in high school you know senior year rolls around and and you get recruited by all these really awesome schools to have the opportunity to play football and baseball and live out your dreams but then uh as you know you can get drafted to play uh baseball out of high school um and so i it did cross my mind to to have the opportunity if I were to get drafted to maybe, hey, maybe I should do this and, and make a career out of this. But ultimately, uh, that's not what God had in his plan for me. And so uh, now, now I'm double doing it, uh, double dipping it, you could say. Yeah, right. So then, John, in January, you transferred to UCF. I'm curious, what was the process for evaluating schools like this time around compared to when you were coming out of high school? Did you approach it differently? Was it a different deal? 
Yeah, I think so. Um, just from in high school, I, I think I was just a little bit more wide-eyed. I was just like uh, just a little kid excited to to um, see all these cool college campuses, talk to these cool coaches. Um, but this next time around, I wasn't really um, as impressed with facilities or anything like that. I just wanted to to talk opportunity, talk football, and, and, and the stuff that really mattered to me. So obviously when you go to UCF, you must have heard what you liked or liked what you heard. What was it specifically about UCF that made you feel like that was the right place? Um, just the opportunity. You know, um, Coach Malzahn and I had a, a relationship coming out of high school. Um, he recruited me to come to Auburn. Um, and so when I got into the portal again, he obviously reached out. And, and um, having that relationship beforehand helps a lot too, you know. And um, he just spoke of the opportunity that I had. Um, and I thought it was a it was a good deal for me, and so that's what uh, I cashed in on. He is the UCF quarterback. John Rice Plumley is joining us. So, John, what's it been like since you played quarterback in a game? It's been a while, actually. What's the process for you getting back into that rhythm once again? What's that been like? Um, I think there was a, a little bit of time in the spring, in early January, where I kind of had to uh, take the training wheels off again, you know, but. Ultimately, it's just like riding a bike. You know, I grew up doing it, and I've loved doing it. And so um, it was just a matter of getting back in the groove of things, you know. You know, it seems to me like I'm listening to you, and I can hear it. Like, there's a lot of humility. There's a lot of gratitude. There's a lot of appreciation. I've heard you talk about how blessed that you feel to have this opportunity. I believe all of this to be very authentic and true. Is there any part of you as somebody who's very competitive who feels vindicated, or is that not a part of your approach? Um, yeah, there's a competitive edge to me. I, I, I definitely have a chip on my shoulder going into this thing just because, uh, I feel like, um, I can do things that, that, um, can help me get to maybe the next level or, or definitely help, uh, this, this UCF team. And, um, I'm excited to, to show that. Hey, John, what about the UCF team? We're talking about a team. You're taking over a program that's had a lot of success over the past five years. In your mind, how good can this team be? Um, this is going to be a pretty special team. Uh, we have a, a total package on offense with the offensive line and the weapons at receiver, a loaded running back room, um, another defensive side of the ball, um, just freaks for athletes, you know, for at the linebacker level, super deep at the uh, defensive back level. And then um, ultimately at the D-line level, we got guys that can move people. And so um, it's, it's going to be a dangerous football team. I'm excited to see what we do. UCF is going to open up against South Carolina State September 1st. Quarterback John Rice Plumley joins me for a couple of more moments. You talked about the existing relationship you have with Gus Malzahn. I do want to reference this. At Ole Miss, you played for Lane Kiffin. After it was official that you had won the starting job at UCF, he tweeted, quote, congrats, miss and love you always. Have a great year. I thought that was pretty classy. What did that mean to you? Uh, really, really cool. Um, I think it shows that uh, in this college football world, there there is a definite, as much as it sometimes it feels like a business, um, college football does, but there's definitely some relationships um, that are above this business that, that college football is. And so um, really, really cool to hear from him. Also really cool to hear from a, a lot of my, my uh, former coaches at Ole Miss and, and former buddies to uh, congratulate me. It meant a lot. That is cool. And a final thought, you made the point. Lane Lane is one of one, right? That's a different dude altogether. Brilliant coach, but a different dude. You made the point that he's one of the funniest coaches you've played for, but at the same time, he's kind of an introvert. You said, quote, my personality is, I want to go and kind of crack his shell. The first couple of weeks, I kind of leaned on him a little bit, cracked some jokes with him. So when you tried to crack those jokes with him, how did that go? Uh, it was it was neat, you know, just because at first he was kind of to himself, you know, um, just trying to, to, to be a coach and, and do his job really well. And um, for me, I'm a big relationship guy. And so early on, I tried to, to lean on him, you know, trying to crack that shell a little bit, trying to get him to open up. And I think uh, since being there, he's, he's had some really uh, awesome relationships with players. And uh, I think he continues to do that today. So, John, really quickly, I, I love this notion that you're a big relationship guy because there's so much more than just the X's and O's and the work you put in in the weight room, and it's all critical. Like, you've got to do that work. But when you're in your position, there's so much more to it, including building relationships. How do you approach that? I mean, are you looking to connect with every single guy in that locker room, certain guys? How do you go about building those relationships? What is your philosophy? Uh, I, I think that the easiest way to build a relationship is just be real with people. You know, let your let your – um, character shine through or, or your personality, um, just be yourself, you know, and then 
um, from that point, it's just about being around the guys and, and uh, making friends, you know. And, and then from there, you're obviously going through some, some tough stuff together where it's summer workouts or fall camp. And so um, I'm a big believer if you go through something with somebody, you usually get a lot tighter with them. And so um, that's usually how it works. Well, man, I think you're one of those guys who, quote, gets it. Absolutely. He is the UFC quarterback. He transferred to UFC in January. He's put up big numbers. He's had a great journey and now a great opportunity in front of him. And again, they open up against South Carolina State September 1st. He not only showed up this way, but called early, was ready to roll. Not, not at all surprised. John, really good to have you on the show. Thanks so much. Good luck to you. And I hope you and I can do it again soon. Absolutely. Had a lot of fun. I appreciate you. Oh, bam. I love that sound so much. It actually makes me smile. You know why? Because that is the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Let me talk to you again about Shopify and why I like it so much. It gives entrepreneurs the resources that were once reserved for big business. That way, upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere. They can synchronize online and in-person sales and effortlessly stay informed. It can do all that for you. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility. I know this. I know where we started with this podcast, and I know where it is right now, and I know how much bigger it's going to get. Shopify is helping me with all of that. And I love how they have the tools and resources that make it easy for any business to succeed from down the street to around the globe. Shopify powers over millions of businesses, businesses like mine and just like yours, from first sale to full scale. You can reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more, which of course is exactly where you want to be. More than a store. Shopify grows with you. This is possibility powered by Shopify. Here's what you need to do. Go to shopify.com slash Rome, all lowercase, and get a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Once again, go to shopify.com slash R-O-M-E right now, shopify.com slash Rome. Let's talk big head bets. Head well, we are never not open for business. I'm going to say to you, Head, it is officially go time because we have got a real sense of urgency right now for a number of reasons, including the fact that we have hit week zero in college football. And this segment, your segment and my segment, is soon to leave this show and get its own podcast called Jim Rome's Big Head Bets. What's up, Head? How you feeling? Man, I'm a little pissed off right now. I'm actually going through my tickets, Jim, to see if that Scotty Scheffler ass infection cost me some money at the open right now. But um, <laughs> right. <laughs> Wow, dude. Well played. I think I took him. I'm pretty sure I took him. Wow. Yeah. That, I, I got to give you that one, Head. Well played. Did it cost you any money? I think it probably did. I think it's the only one I missed all year of the majors. So a freaking ass infection. A freaking ass infection. All right, so you've you've had okay. your you've run through your quota of quote ass references. Now you're done. Okay. I want to be really transparent about something with the clones because I think that's important. I think they should know how hard that you were pushing for the title of our new podcast to be Big Heads, Big Head Bets, right. and then I had to shut that down. And I know you were extremely and how ironic that I would say this, butt hurt about that. <laughs> Are you still? A touch. I'm a big fan of myself, as you know, but I'm a pro. I can move on. <laughs> Dude, you are an enormous fan of yourself. Big Normally, fan. I like people that like themselves, except in your case, I don't. All right, so before we get to this, I have to ask, what are your plans for the Big Head Weekend? And more importantly, you know I'm not big on surprises, i.e., you moonlighting as a morning show host, mm. co-host, for like a decade and not telling me. Dang. You owning a car wash without telling me. You raising Dang. cows without telling me. So, before we get to your picks, is there anything else you need for me to know as opposed to some random clone finding out before me or me reading about it online? Probably not this weekend. Ball's back, so I'll be busy from morning to midnight watching uh, games in my office betting. But Sunday, I might have some cow action. i got to fix some fence, Jim. Cows are getting out in the mountains, so i got to go up there. 
So, dude, when you talk about watching stuff from your office, which mm-hmm. office? The car wash office, the cow office, the home office? Which the office? The home office. Downstairs. Not in the studio, but the home office. Downstairs. What's that thing look like? I'm curious how you work and how you live. You're really secretive about that stuff. What's that home office look like? It's actually pretty nice. I got a couple TVs lined up on top of each other so I can monitor a bunch of games. I think I'll probably get a third and a fourth come uh, NFL season. No, you won't, dude. You are cheap week. ass. You are so cheap, dude. You are, you are like you pirate yeah. UFC. Urgh. Yeah, I got you don't two pay or three for Jack, dude. I, yeah, that's true too. Because I use my computers too. So yeah, but n- nice office, man. Really nice office. Show me a picture. Okay. Okay. All right. So let's get to this. If there is such a thing as a week zero must win, mm-hmm. this is it for Nebraska. Scott Frost comes into the season under firehead. Nebraska begins the season in Ireland. They are a double digit favorite against Northwestern. To me, it's a game they absolutely have to have. In fact, to everybody, that's a mm-hmm. game they absolutely have to have. We know it. Frost knows it. Nebraska fan knows it. Mm-hmm. But for our purposes, and they're going to win. They're going to win that game. I'll say it. But for our purposes, it's not a question of whether or not they win, but what, because we're not about the money line, but whether or not they cover. What is the line on DraftKings, and how are you playing Nebraska v. Northwestern? Yeah, both teams are coming off of disappointing three and nine seasons. Nebraska right now is favored by 12 points. A uh, glimmer of hope for Nebraska fans, though, is Frost did an excellent job in the transfer portal, Jim. Not good in recruiting, but good in the transfer portal. He's going to use Casey Thompson, former Texas quarterback, as his quarterback tomorrow. He also hired Mark Whipple away from Pittsburgh. Huge get for him. He turned that offense from the 79th best in the country in 2020 to the 8th last season. I think they win, but I'll take the Wildcats and the points. Give me 12 points right there. Pat Fitzgerald usually bounces back after bad seasons. He's a defensive dude, and that's where these guys need to improve. They went from allowing 15.9 points a game in 2020 to 31.1 last season. Almost Trevor Price doubling that thing. Their biggest worry is that run D, but Pat's brought in several grad transfers to help that out. This team won the Big Ten West just two years ago. Their strength is their running game. They got Cam Porter back from injury, and he joins Evan Hull, a guy who ran for over 1,000 yards last season. I'm going to go Northwestern plus a 12. I do think Nebraska wins, though. You make very interesting and salient points. I'm going the other way. I'm going to lay the points. Nebraska's got to have it. Scott Frost has to have it. Yes, they were garbage last year, but at least they were competitive. Garbage but competitive. Northwestern was just garbage, especially in Nebraska, beating them down in Lincoln. 56-7. 56-7. to seven. Mm-hmm. I do not expect that to happen again, but I do expect the Huskers to cover. It is the least they can do if they're going to go all the way to Ireland to play this one. I'm going to lay the points. All right, so you and I disagree on that one. What about Wyoming at Illinois? I'm not going to lie. You have your system. I have my system, and without giving up what my system is, I will be honest about this. I factor in the jungle karma. I'm not going to say to what extent, but it's obviously a part of it for me, and I do it when I make my selections. Brett Bielema has always been a huge jungle guy mm-hmm. he did come in recently so i'm going to factor that into this one as well as the fact that wyoming got punched in the face by the transfer portal itself mm-hmm. personally i'm taking the illini i'm willing to lay the points what number are you getting on DraftKings, and how are you going to play that one i wish we would have done this segment after you had him on because we would have gotten a hell of a lot better number than we are getting right now the number has moved to 13 and a half i just checked DraftKings; Ooh. it keeps going up for Ouch. Illinois, but I'm going to follow you here, Jim. They started to gain some momentum as the season went on in year one under Brett. They were competitive and actually outscored their opponents in Big Ten play all year. His defense, too, it was surprisingly good. They only uh, allowed More just under erotic. 22 points a game. If they could stop Wyoming's running attack, which is the best in the Mountain West, they should roll. They are uh, starting, I believe now he's named Syracuse transfer Tommy DeVito is a quarterback, but don't expect him to throw it too much. He'll hand that ball off. He's got Chase Brown and Josh McCray back there, and this is Wisconsin again for Brett. That's what he's trying to do here. And Wyoming's run D ranked 98th in the country last season. That transfer portal you're talking about, almost a dozen guys left Wyoming. Illinois at home laying the 13 and now and a half points. Borderline erotic. Yes. Like, like, I love that line so much, but isn't something either erotic or it's not? How can it be borderline Borderline erotic? erotic. 
Yeah, it's fair. Yeah, I don't know. All right, so Vandy. Vandy at Hawaii. Vandy at Hawaii, a little tricky, right? Like, things did not go well or end well for Hawaii and Todd Graham last season. The good news is, legendary former quarterback Timmy Chang is in. Inherently, it seems to me, there is some value in hitting the Rainbow Warriors in Hawaii if you want to try to talk yourself into that. In fact, I did try to talk myself into that, and I couldn't. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take Clark Lee, another good jungle guy, and the Commodores, and I'm willing to lay the 8.5 if, in fact, it's still 8.5. What's the number you see? What are you doing with that one? So right before I came back up here, at minus 9 now for Vandy. Ah, it's moved again. <laughs> Week 0 is crazy. Everything Dude. is moving. Everything is moving. Uh, get this, too. Hawaii is 10-1-1 in one in the last Except that infection 12. at the top of the butt crack. That's not moving. That's just at the top of the I butt crack. Infection. It costs it's an infection money, at man. the Nobody top needs of an, your an, butt crack. Mind, anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Anyways, get this number, Jim. Hawaii, 10-1-1 in their last 12 season openers against the spread. But I'm going Vandy with you. I'm laying that nine points. You mentioned that, mentioned that Todd guy. Um, Todd pretty much pissed off everybody on the entire island. Almost 20 kids transferred. Eight of their top 10 tacklers are gone. They have four returning starters. And while Timmy will want to throw that ball again like that run and shoot that he ran, he's got a problem because his quarterback, whoever he goes with, they're not very good at throwing that football. Even with Vandy having the worst scoring offense in all of the Power Five uh, last year, I'm taking them. I'm laying the points. If an SEC team can't beat this Hawaii team by more than nine points, your guy Clark might be in trouble already in year two. I got Vandy, who went four and one on the road against the spread last season, minus nine. I'll tell you what, dude, you're making sense now. You're making sense today. I love Clark, but I think you're right. If an SEC team can't go to Hawaii and beat a team that beaten down, oh, it's the yes. I, I agree. Can lose that money. Got to got to cover. Yeah. Have to cover. Have to cover. All right. So why don't we talk about the Power Five conferences? You and I started to talk about this. We have not talked about all of them. I know you like Bama. I know you like Ohio State mm-hmm. to win their respective conferences. But what about the future bets on the other three? Let's start with the ACC. Clemson obviously is the team to beat. Are you hitting that at minus 130? Yeah, this is a tough one. I like Clemson a lot. I love that defense. The question is uh, the quarterback and what kind of quarterback play they'll get. If they get good, they can compete for national championships. But I'll take a shot at NC State here, the third choice at plus 750. Devin Leary is back at QB. They return most of that elite defense. Their two uh, losses last season came on the road by a combined four points. The big one is on the road at Clemson. But plus 750, I'll take a shot. I like that energy. I like that. I like that. You don't want to be a chalky little bitch. I like that. All right, so what about the Big 12? Interesting. Oklahoma, your favorite at plus 190. Mm -hmm. Do you see any value there, or are you going in a different direction? Yeah, I'd hit OU here, plus 190. Brent Venables, the players will be fired up uh, for Lincoln Riley leaving there. Dylan Gabriel, he'll replace Caleb Williams. Okay, he's pretty good. He also has his old OC, Jeff Lebby. They should put up a lot of points. Texas is their big challenge, but I do like Venables. I'll take Oklahoma at plus 190. I don't know, Head. Like, I would love the inherent friction by going against you, but you're having a pretty good day. You're making a lot of sense. I agree. Texas they, is closing the gap, though. I'll they say are. That, no, they are. Yeah. Texas yeah. is closing. Oh, God. I keep looking up at the screen, and they're showing these, these pictures of monkeypox. Man, it's just disgusting. Change that <laughs> channel for me. It's hard for me to focus. Uh, is it the Texas stripper girls? No, no, it's just an actual medical. I don't know. There's something really weird going on. I got famous elite golfers talking about ass infections. Ass infections. infections. Mm-hmm. And, and then monkey anyway, I, I'm trying to do a job here. All right. So why don't we talk? And I wanted to say about Oklahoma. I like that. I like that play. You know they're going to play with an enormous chip on their shoulders after Lincoln Riley bounced. They've got a good coach. They've got some talent. I like that. I like that play. What about the Pac-12? Obviously, all the hype and all the buzz are going to the aforementioned Lincoln Riley Mm -hmm. in USC. They're the favorite to win at plus 220. Are you playing the Trojans, or might you take a shot with Utah and Kyle Whittingham, who made another success? jungle run this past week utes baby utah is mm. good again I, i'm all over utah i like here. that I, I love them 
I think they actually have a real good shot at getting at a college football playoff. They have a damn good offense. Cameron Rising is back at quarterback, and they should control the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. They have depth. They have leadership. You could get them at plus 240. I'm Utah right here. I'd say I like I love Cam Rising. I love Kyle Whittingham. I love that program. I love that culture. I love everything about love them. All. I like that pick. Damn, I'm telling you, Head, you and I are in agreement on everything except one. Nebraska. One more. That's it, Nebraska. Mm -hmm. We talked at length this week about Kevin Durant. Now he had to come crawling back to Brooklyn after the worst power play attempt I've ever seen. The only thing more hilarious than that is the fact that you continued to jock these guys all season long last year, despite all the drama and all the bull crap surrounding that team. You loved you some nets, Head. Katie is stuck there. So is the part-timer Kyrie. And who the hell knows what we're going to get from Ben Simmons. So, talk to me about their win total. What is the number, and how are you going to play that? Yeah, the over-under on regular season wins for the Nets is 45-and-a-half. I'm going over, of course. Look, they were a disaster was last season. I, I won't admit it, but I have to admit that. They won 44 Did games. Did you ever own team. anything? Do you ever I, I, admit anything? Have you ever apologized for anything? Very rare. Very rare. I'll say they were a complete disaster last year. That's about as close as I'll get to that. How but big of still... you, dude? How big of you for saying what we all know already? Wow, that they, was courageous. Yeah, it was. But they still won 44 games is my point. So you're at one and a half more games. They could do that. Uh, I mean, Yeah, but you were that, acting like they were going to win 74 games. I, they have a roster to win 60. That's what I'll say about these guys. Right, and they won 44. They won 44, but and they that got was blasted what, by Boston in the first round. They did. Mr. Miserable That's missed right. 27 games, though. Kyrie, uh, he was a part-timer last year, and Ben's, uh, he's got a chronic ass infection probably. He missed all the games, <laughs> so that didn't help. Dude, he, he might have mental health crack. issues. A little respect. Oh, crack. Okay, well, that are prima donna. Never mind. I'll stop right there. But I love their roster. They went out and added a, a couple more guys to bring in. Royce O'Neal, TJ Warren. If he's healthy, that's a steal. They get Joe Harris back. I love all these you, things. You know they hate their coach. They do hate their coach. You know they hate their GM. They, you know, know they hate life. Imagine being Sean Marks going from San Antonio Spurs and dealing with Tim Duncan for your career and then going dealing with these superstars. What a horrible, horrible. Right, so why do you like them so much? Because you love them on paper, man. You are so seduced by the talent. Because if they if they could just knock this stuff off for a year, they could really play some basketball. Well, we well, why, would they, they could but dude, why would they do that? Kyrie wrecks everything he touches, and Mr. Miserable is never happy. So what do you mean if they could just do it for one year? So Kyrie's They can't do it for 10 minutes. Incentive, right? Right? Never marry any of these guys, but short-term dating here works. Kyrie's in a contract. What the hell year kind of for analogy is that, dude? Just short-term dating. It's like the hot. You never marry. Never mind. Kyrie incentive to play one year contracts. Got to make that money. You lost swipe a lot of left with your cows, dude. Yes. <laughs> are you are you cow tipping? You've never answered my question. What are you doing this weekend? Are you cow tipping? I'm what are you doing with those cows? I'm, I'm fixing fence, man. They're getting out. You're fixing fence. Around. Yeah, I gotta fix. You're fence. chasing cow and fixing fence. Yep. I gotta get on a horse. Dude, I, I don't guess. talk cowboy. Right. Mm -hmm. Speak English. Anyway, so finish your thought. You're gonna go over on 44 and a half. Is that the number? 45 and a half over. Yep. All right, so that was an, an absolutely kooky and awesome segment. Break it down top to bottom. And one more thing. As we get you in the right mindset and mm -hmm. in the right discipline of this thing, we're not giving these things away. You need to listen to the segment. We're not just going to tweet his picks. We'll tweet a link to this great segment. But if they're listening live right now, we will reward them top to bottom. What are you doing this weekend? Week zero college football, Northwestern plus 12. Illinois, minus 13.5 against Wyoming. Vandy, minus 9 at Hawaii. Conference title game winners for futures here. NC State, we're taking a shot with them at plus 750. They're the third choice in the ACC. Oklahoma, plus 190 in the Big 12. Utah, plus 240, the second choice in the Pac-12. And the regular season win total, 45.5 for the Brooklyn Nets, over 45.5. So you're hanging out with some friends. You're putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you got this. You live nearby. You can make it home just fine. It's not that big of a deal. I mean, what are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license, you lose your job, you total your car, you kill somebody. Everybody knows about the risks of driving drunk. 
The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still does not stop everybody from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe. Plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or somebody else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over, paid for by NHTSA. The Tour Championship is underway in Atlanta. And with all the chaos facing the PGA and the sport as a whole, it's nice to have the one constant back where it belongs, where he belongs, namely Scotty Scheffler atop the leaderboard. Because this has been the summer of Scheffler. In fact, the year of Scotty. He won the Masters. He took second at the U.S. Open. He spent the last 22 weeks as the number one golfer in the world. And he came out yesterday and he dominated the first round of the Tour Championship like he has been dominating pretty much everything else the rest of the season. Because this is a weighted playoff, he started the day in the lead. He carded a 65. He rolls into the second round today with a five-stroke lead. And now he's just three rounds away from finishing the deal and pulling in that 18 mil prize, a.k.a. the single biggest cash prize in the history of the sport. If he wins it, he will absolutely have earned it. He's had a monster season, but not a perfect season. He missed the cut at the PGA, which he chalks up to one bad day. And now he says, finally... He's forgotten about it. And he did disappoint at the Open Championship. He tied for 21st. That's not what people were expecting. But come to find out, tying for 21st was actually pretty freaking impressive. Because now we know why. Now we know why he fizzled over the weekend at St. Andrews. And, well, it's pretty gross. Pretty relatable, but pretty gross. Too much information? Definitely. Here was Scheffler yesterday explaining the quote, little injury that bleeped up his open. It's probably TMI, but I had a, what's called a pilonidal infection. It's an infection at the top of your butt crack. Um, you can look it up. It's, it, was, it was really hard for me to bend down. It was really hard for me to make a swing on Sunday. Walking was actually extremely difficult. I don't know if, if any of you have ever had something like that, but if you talk to someone that does, it is excruciatingly painful and it was brutal. But outside of that, it's just one of those things that just, it, it just happens. And, and you uh, know how it happened? Yeah, I'm not going to say it here. I'll tell you after because that would really be TMI. <laughs> Dude, I don't know what's so funny about that. That guy literally literally explained what happened. He explained why he played so badly. He explained what the injury was. He had an infection at the top of the butt crack. And he referred to that as, quote, a little injury. Can I hear that one more time before break, Alvy? TMI, but I had a, what's called a pilonidal infection. It's an infection at the top of your butt crack. Um, you can look it up. It's It was... It was really hard for me to yeah, no. bend down. It was really hard for me to make a swing yeah, on no, Sunday. Yeah, no, Scotty, I'm not Googling that. extremely difficult. I don't know if, if any of you have ever had something like that, but if you talk to someone that does, it is excruciatingly painful. No, dude, painful I, I definitely will not. Brutal, I definitely but, will not be looking that up. Bad enough that I looked up out of the corner of my <laughs> eye and I saw pictures of monkeypox. I'm not looking up Pylonidal. Wow, dude. There you go. Definitely TMI. Elite athletes <laughs> of the world have butt crack problems just like the rest of us. Even the best golfer on the planet can wind up with something very embarrassing, very painful, and very pilonidal. Yeah, no, dude, I'm not going to look that up. I know you told me I could, but I'm not going to. Yeah, I've got a quick question for you. Do you feel like your antiperspirant keeps you dry all day long? Dove Men Plus Care Dry Spray has an instantly drying antiperspirant formula that can help give you a cleaner feel and offers 48-hour sweat and odor protection. 48 hours. Like, I don't even know that was possible. 48 hours. Dove Men Dry Spray feels light and clean on your skin, and it's quick and easy to use. I mean, the product is pretty amazing. All of that, and especially, especially good when you're on the go. And Dove Men Dry Spray continues 
And Dove Men Dry Spray contains Dove's unique one-quarter moisturizing cream that helps to protect your skin. And it goes without saying, you better be moisturizing. It leaves your skin feeling comfortable, and it helps to protect your skin. And did I say, you had best be moisturizing? I do. You should. Try Dove Men Dry Spray. Goes on dry, clean feel, all day. He is Dan Wojcicki. Dan, what's going on? How are you? Jim, like a Monday 9 a.m. guy. Yeah, <laughs> That's the best. <laughs> what's up, dude? How you living? How are things? I'm, I'm great. You know, I think... Uh, life on the Lakers is, is always exciting. And like, just when you think you've entered like the quiet period of the NBA, you take a vacation and the team signs LeBron Jameson extension and then trades for Patrick Beverly. That is awesome stuff. Actually, the first one, not surprising. The second one a bit. Why don't we start right there from a pure drama standpoint? There's so many things to like about that Lakers trading of Taylor Horton Tucker for Stanley Johnson and Patrick Beverly Putting that aside for a moment, what do you think that Rob Palenka was thinking when he made that deal? Well, I mean, I think, like, if you if you take a step back, right, and you kind of look at the players that should have a lot of success around LeBron James, you kind of come up with a guy like Patrick Beverly, uh, a player who doesn't need the ball in his hands, a pretty good catch-and-shoot guy, actually a really good catch-and-shoot guy. He gets – no one really talks about that part of his game. He struggled last year from three, but – um, you know, career, I think 37% three point shooter. Um, one of, I think 80 guys to, to take 2,200 threes in his career and, and shoot at that number. Um, so good company there. I, and, you know, a tenacious defender, a guy who's willing to get after it, an attitude guy, a heart guy, an effort guy. Um, all good. I think the, the, the tricky parts, right, is that, you know, he, he is also a guy who has injury problems. LeBron James has, has missed significant time, you know, three of the la- three of the last four years now, and you've got Anthony Davis, who also was always kind of, you know, you wonder when's the next shoe going to drop on an injury with him. So that in itself is kind of the, the tricky part. But I think from a from a current like dead on basketball standpoint, it, it makes a lot of sense. If Russell Westbrook is going to be on the team, then it gets hilarious. exactly and part of me is laughing with you because it is hilarious and then part of me is terrified because you say if Russell Westbrook is on the team from a drama standpoint I mean I love the fact that the two of these guys are on the same team because they hate each other's guts my biggest fear though is the arrival of Patrick Beverly Dan means that Russ might be out the door before we get any of that drama is there any chance of that happening yeah, I think so. And I mean, I look, I think these these two things have been kind of pushed together a little bit. I mean, the Lakers have been trying to move Russell Westbrook all summer. Um, that's not news that has been, you know, and believe it or I mean, this isn't that surprising. You know, there hasn't been any interest. You know, he makes $47 million. Um, no one's really sure exactly how he can adapt to, to a changing role as he gets older. And, and so teams don't really want to take that on. I think the thing that happened in the last week that sort of really got this ball rolling to me was Kevin Durant kind of recommitting to Brooklyn. Seemingly then, you know, the Nets also kind of, they're showing a reluctance to trade Kyrie Irving and the Lakers kind of being able to move on and and kind of, you know, put their plans into action now, knowing that the Kyrie Irving possibility is, is, you know, almost certainly gone. And, And that, and that's why I think, you, you know, so did, did, do the steps change in terms of, like, Russell Westbrook's future of the team? No. I mean, I, I think they were looking to move him before the Patrick Beverly trade. I think they still are. Um, I think they can just be a little more clear-eyed about kind of what it's going to take and, and what their options are now that they don't have to consider what I think would have been probably the first choice, which would have been Kyrie Irving. Dan Wojcicki is joining us. So, Dan, it was not that long ago that the word was the THT was the future of the Lakers, yeah. a key piece that they would never give up, and now they're moving him out for a 34-year-old guard. What happened to THT? Uh, bad timing, I think, mostly, right? Like a, a skill set that is super redundant with star players, and he's not a star yet, you know, or may never be. Um so I was in the bubble gym when, when Talon Horton Tucker, like re- that's when you really started to hear um, from people around the Lakers, right? Is like, I remember, you know, 
going up to talking to Frank Vogel at, at the end of a practice and Taylor Horton Tucker and some of the guys who weren't playing and some of the coaches are out on the court scrimmaging and stuff. And, and, you know, Taylor Horton Tucker did something, you know, like some spin move step back and, and Frank kind of looked over and was like, that guy might start for us next year. You know, like it was like, he's that talented, right? He was so good at the and and that stretch and he was doing it all kind of behind the scenes. And I think the issue with him and, you know, First of all, he's still a, a kid, right? He's 21 years old. Um, but the issue is, is that when you play around LeBron James, you play around Russell Westbrook, you play around Anthony Davis, like you're never going to be the guy who should have the ball in his hands. And, and that's what he needs, right? So I think Utah is a really good landing spot. He's going to get a chance to have the ball a lot. Um, presumably he's going to have a chance to take a lot of shots, create for himself, create for his teammates. And I think those are his biggest strengths. With the Lakers, he was asked to defend and shoot spot up threes and, and, the defense was kind of spotty, but definitely the spot-up shooting was was, was rocky. Um, he won't have to do that somewhere else. We are talking to Dan Wojcik, breaking it all down, writing for the LA Times, of course. Now, Dan, you made the point, too, that with the trade of THT, LeBron and AD are the only two remaining members of the Lakers team yeah. that won that championship less than 24 months ago. What does that tell you about the roster management over the past two years? I think they were a little itchy, you know, and, and I think you, you do have sort of a – a tendency to you can do that a little bit with like LeBron James teams because he's such a, a key centerpiece that you can kind of you can kind of it's easy to talk yourself into a lot of different types of people around him. But I think the the reality of it is is you know is you need shooting and defense. Like I mean it it, it shouldn't be that complicated. And, and the Lakers got you know I, I don't want to say too cute, um, but you know coming out of the bubble they. You know, they had success with their with their center rotation with JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard, you know, and, and Marcus All is an amazing player, right? Or had been an amazing player in the league and it made sense to, to go after Marcus All. Well, Marcus All didn't fit. Um, you know, not that version of Marcus All at least. Um, you know, they wanted to get the ball out of LeBron James's hands and so they signed in a Schroeder. Um, it didn't really work. You know, and then after that they thought they needed more punch because of injuries and that's how they talked themselves into Russell Westbrook. And that trade cost them even more of their continuity. And so it's kind of, I think, you know, instead of being like taking a deep breath and saying, okay, what's best for us, you know, not just today, but a couple of years from now, like with LeBron, like, you know, the foot's on the gas. And I think sometimes when you're, when you're speeding like that, you're not always making the, the clearest decisions. And that was, I think there was this constant sort of desire to like, we got to get better now, got to get better, got to get better now, instead of just kind of, you know, working a little bit more around the margins. Talking to Dan Wojcik, Dan, I could keep firing questions about the Lakers, but before I go, let me change up on you. What do you think the reaction was inside the OKC front office yeah. to the news that Chet Holmgren was injured in a pro-am and that the injury turned out to be one that's going to cost him the season before it even started? I, I Disappointment is probably the biggest word. You know, look, guys are going to play basketball, right? Like, whether it's in a pro-am, whether it's in a uh, an LA fitness or, 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 you know, in, in some sort of like trainers run, like that's going to happen. And you want, you want guys that want to be on the court, right? You don't want guys that are spending the entire off season sort of in cellophane, just like not touching anything, not getting around, not moving. So the, the program part of me today is just sort of unfortunate. I mean, I think though, if I'm Sam Presti, if I'm the thunder, uh, you just, you know, you have your fingers crossed that this is isolated. I think when you look at Chet Holmgren, right, like what's the, the, the obvious question is, like, can he hold up physically? And, you know, like he had he didn't make it to opening night, you know, in his first NBA season. And that's, you know, and maybe it's a freak thing or, or maybe it's a sign of problems to come. You don't know. Uh, and, and I think that would be what I'd be anxious about. Um, you know, look, the Thunder, they, they, they are on a, a very long-term plan. You know, so this probably doesn't disrupt that that much. But I think um, just in the short term, too, and, and for their fans, right? Like, he was a reason to be excited about this season. And um, you know, you're just going to get to see him in incredibly long and incredibly narrow suits on the sidelines. <laughs> Damn, Wiki joining us. I'm not laughing at it, but I'm laughing at that. You're right. Listen, before you go, <laughs> back to Kevin Durant for a minute. Like, <laughs> what do you make of this announcement, Dan, that he and the team have, quote, agreed to move forward with our partnership. What do you make of that? I mean, I think he got humbled, right? I mean, first of all, look, getting when you have four years on your deal, it's hard to it's hard to find leverage somewhere. And I think he discovered that he doesn't have the kind of leverage he would have had if he was twenty nine and then never torn an Achilles. So I think that's part of it. 
Um, but then you look around and it's like, you know, sometimes I think you think the grass is always greener and it really is. not and, and in this situation, you know, he's in a big market. He's playing for an owner who will spend money. He has talent around him. Um, you know, that's, that's as good of an option right now, especially considering the Nets, you know, seemingly didn't find anything close to their asking price of what they thought he was worth. So, you know, he could have done like a holdout or a hold in or something like that. But at the end of the day, I always figured with Kevin Durant, right? Like this is a guy who'd missed real chunks of his career due to injury and, and a guy who loves basketball, right? Like you say that about a lot of these guys, but Kevin Durant like loves a game and wants to be on the court. I think it's, you know, where he's incredibly happy and comfortable. Um, I, I have a hard time, you know, seeing him give that up at this stage in his career. And I think end of the day, right? Like didn't have a ton of leverage and, you know, you could go be a, a malcontent, um, but, or you, or you kind of go into the season with your best foot forward. And if it doesn't work, you, you, maybe you try it again next year. So before you go, help me with this. I've asked so many people around the league and nobody seems to know the answer. So let me ask you as well, exactly what does Kevin Durant want? What is his beef now with the Nets? I mean, I don't know. It's a really good question. I don't know. I think there's like a little bit of wanderlust with him, right? Like I think he's somebody who, who gets a little restless, you know, and, and moves on. Look, the net situation has been um, really, really chaotic, you know, and I think there are times when you look at Kevin Durant and say like, oh, man, if you could just go to a place where you could just hoop, like kind of like Oklahoma City where there are minimal distractions and he just plays, like maybe that's it, you know, but um, stars don't do that right? Like, that's just not how this works in the league. Like, if you're a superstar and you want to be on the move, you want to win and you want to do it in a big market. And, you know, the the kind of the team building aspect of, of what stars have wanted in Brooklyn and, and to a lesser extent what's happened in Lakers, it's hard. It's hard when you when you kind of give your guys the keys and say, make, you know, be a, be a real part of these decisions uh, because then you're not just struggling on the court, but it's like, you know, you've got a hand in this too. And I think that breeds a lot of unhappiness and and restlessness, and that's why you start looking around. All right, so really importantly, close this segment with this. I'm going to go off the board for a moment. Okay. Did I see you tweet recently a picture of an autographed Black Eyed Peas T-shirt? And if so, <laughs> what is the story behind that? Um, so I was in. Uh, I was visiting my family, and my, my parents were getting ready to move, Jim, and they, they asked me to go through um, you know, some of the stuff they kept. It, I, I will tell you, the Black Eyed Peas autograph is not the most, not the wildest. I have in my currently, right, I have three different autographs from former Chicago Bear and current Chicago radio host Tom Waddle in my home. Three different ones. So what? what is it about Waddle that was so important to you? Hey, look, I, dude, I like the Jim, guy a lot. But Jim, my mom was his insurance agent. That's what that was. Okay. All right. <laughs> but, but three different. Like, Term, three different, like, universal, home, <laughs> auto. Yeah, what one, kind of insurance? One for each policy, I think. Okay. You know, a little okay. Fire, a little flood. Yeah, no. So, I mean, but it is the, the Black Eyed Peas t-shirt. Went to see them, you know, play at a smaller. This is probably, what, like 2000 or something? 2001. So a smaller venue. And you buy a shirt and then you have them sign it, which is like a total waste of money because you can never wear the shirt. That's true. I don't think I've ever worn it. And and you never should. And Dan, lately I've been on this kick where I've been watching docs. I saw the train wreck, Woodstock 99, Firefest. Luckily I've been, I mean, lately I've been really kind of throwing it back to these docs. Have you checked any of them out? Where do you come out? I love the Woodstock 99 docs. Isn't that so great and so disgusting? Yeah. What what, what just a horrible, horrible idea. Um, and just, just a disaster time. Like, cause I'm 18 years old when that happens. I'm so glad I didn't go. Um, didn't really want to, but like, it, it just looked totally miserable. Um, the Firefest ones are great. You know, I, I mean, I've, I've been watching professionally. I've been watching the Lakers sort of retelling of their history. Right. And, and, um, and I will say to their credit, like, you know, they like the conversation where Jeannie Buss has to call Jim Buss and say, you know, hey, Jim, I need to come film this and talk about, you know, everything that happened. Like, <laughs> it had to have been a pretty awkward, awkward conversation. But, yeah, no, I, I'm definitely in on that stuff. I, you know, my favorite one I've seen probably, Jim, in the last six months in the sports adjacent was the Tony Hawk documentary on HBO. Hmm. Have not it's seen that yet. Awesome. I, I, lo- I love awesome. the guy. I love the guy, but I've not seen that yet. 
Yeah, you'll you'll enjoy it. The Southern California parts of it, and like the San Diego North County parts, it's it, it's really incredible. So one last thought, Dan. When you mentioned that that Woodstock '99 was like the worst idea ever, the, everything about that was such a terrible idea. And the organizers throughout the whole thing, not to give it away, were just like, "What? What? Everything's great. Everything's great. Everything's great." There were fifty bad apples, fifty bad seeds. Never mind that there were a <laughs> quarter of a million people. But I love this whole notion. Like when you say it was a bad idea from the start, what was the worst idea? Was there a worse idea than like on day three? giving everybody a candle, giving them fire when they already were <laughs> gouged and starved and miserable and drugged out of their minds. Let's give them fire. I, I mean, I think to me, like, the worst idea was, like, peace, love, and Fred Durst. Yeah, that. Well, then there's that, right? And corn. <laughs> is, that, is that you just had really, really angry music. And, and I'm like, wasn't that I think my favorite. So there's the two, the two documentaries. I know the HBO one. Like one of the funniest things is I think like before corn goes on, I think it was jewel. <laughs> like yes. Yes. Like that was going to change the mood. <laughs> and, and yeah, no. So that to me was just like total insanity. It, it's just, it is so weird to see like this time period coming back. Like, like just keep the music buried, please keep the 1999 music, like the angry, I give like literally give me something to break music. We can we can uh, we don't we don't need that anymore. No, I mean I I'm trying to let you go, but it's so true. Like this whole notion of Woodstock and love and peace and happiness and these rolling hills that were green. Man, they were at a military base. It was nothing but concrete and super angry bands. And you're trying and to sewage. say to me that this is Woodstock revisited. What? Yeah, and sewage too. Don't forget. Oh, there dude, that that was the best sewage. part of the whole thing. That that one woman who they sit down and she says, "You know, I woke up one morning and my throat was really, really sore, and there were <laughs> all these sores, and I didn't know what it was. Oh, I was drinking sewage. Awesome. Yeah, no, yeah, throat herpes. Like, cool. Of ev- sewage. Of everything that could have happened there, Jim. Too like like the throat herpes is like probably like on the lower end of like just like atrocities. Dude, what, why, why, even though you're as good as anybody who does it, why do we talk basketball even, Dan? When we can talk throat VD. We can talk throat <laughs> VD, dude. Throat STDs. I, I, you know, Jim, my versatility is uh, is always, I've always said it's a strength, and I, I can add this to my resume now, too. Dude, you, your range is insane. It really is. <laughs> Dan, I appreciate you, man. Great to have you back. Thank you very much. All right, Jim, be good. Have a great weekend. Have a great weekend. <laughs> Welcome to the jungle. What's going on? A very, very good Monday to you. All right. I've got so many different ways to go with it. Lots to cover. Let's get it. For people who wonder why UFC is so popular, I have exactly three words. This is why. That is not the cloth from which he is cut. I mean, that is a dejection. It's not like any other sport on the planet because anybody can get beat by anybody at any time, and they all do. Even the guys who are not supposed to lose, lose. Kevin Ioli is joining us. I think with a minute and six seconds to go, I said no urgency from Edwards. I put that out 10 seconds before the knockout. No surprise to me why Leon stepped up big time because he likes his money. Leon. It's not Ryan, it's Ryan. It's not Leon, it's Levon. It's not Ryan, it's Ryan. It's not Levon, it's Leon. It's not Ryan, it's You are in the midst of a full-blown midlife crisis. Signed, the unbuttoning, the Corvette in your parking spot, and the hostesses digits that you pulled this weekend. Brett, when we all have that structure and we all have to be cleaner, we're all so much better for it anyway, right? It does help at times. It also helps you enjoy. I saw your social media and your little river adventure uh, up in Wisconsin, so like I know you enjoyed that week as well. So a little time away. Borderline erotic. Rudin blew the deal up. <laughs> Aren't we talking about the quarterback guru, too? Turn down a chance to get the quarterback and the tight end who would win a Super Bowl, Super Bowl. only a few months later. You have to ask Reggie. Well, now it's Reggie's fault. That's enough of that crap. Antoine Bethay. Tom Brady shows up for camp today. Yeah, the teammate, I would be feeling some type of way just because once it's August this time, you know, end of July at that time that everybody knows it's time to lock in. Hey, Lawrence. That hillbilly hack in Arkansas got nothing on me. Let me tell you. Get to your parody, but no. That's the way we run your ass run button crunch. What's cracking? Welcome to the program. My name is Jim Rome. One eight zero zero six three six. You guys tried the coffee? Eight six. It tastes kind of weird. Eight six. It's hot. It is toll free. It's kind of hot right now. Yeah, Avi. Huh? 
You can hear me? Uh -oh. Yeah, you do have a problem right now. Oh, for It's always sake. something. God. There are two great shows. There is the show that you hear on the I air, and then there's the show that you do not hear no, on the air. It's going on off to the side, except that I'm hearing them both. Jim, can you still hear me? So, yes, oh, I can still hear you, Alvin. Anyway. Pat, can you hear me too? Uh, Pat can hear you, but I can hear you, Alvin. Daniel Jeremiah joining us. Somebody was asking me the other day, Jim, like, what's the comparison, you know, for Bryce Young? And I'm like, oh, you like Aaron Rodgers if you left him in the dryer too long. Kyle Whittingham is my guest. Got the passion for it, and as soon as that passion leaves, then it's time for me to hang it up. But right now, as you mentioned, I'm, I'm as excited about this season as any season in the past. Katie's coup is failed. That's like a couple that hates each other staying together for the kids. Kids can't figure that out. Because mom is going by her maiden name. Doesn't mean there's any issue in this house. And dad bought a boat and none of us are allowed on it. And mom got a breast augmentation. Everything's fine. Just because dad smashed a bottle of champagne on that boat that we're not allowed to see and a few of his new hair plugs popped out. You have two quarterbacks. It means you don't have one that's the old The reason either. I'm not decided yet is because, well, it's impossible to decide. We have two ones. We might have two ones. Just stop acting like you're talking about you have Joe Montana and Steve Young. He is Andy Roddick. How did it feel to be on that court once again? Uh, I suck now, just in, in pure transparency. I'm not very good anymore. While all y'all are hating the dog days of summer, Albie and I are just enjoying the doggy style days of summer. I go to go in my pool, a bleeping mouse at the bottom of the pool. All right. Call 911. Emerson Fittipaldi is in my pool. Dead. Dodger Jano, did you invite Gary Gaetti to a backyard barbecue? Maybe the reason Coach K hasn't come on of late was I mean, he wanted to damn. hang out with me in my backyard. I don't know. Personally, I thought that Mike Shanahan knew how to swim. These cars go from zero to 330 in less than four seconds. If Cruz pointed his rig up instead of out, he could make it to Jupiter. I swear to God. Micah Hyde, my guest. I love it. The ball has to come out, you know, to get Vaughn. Poetry emotion. Dave Clawson. My favorite band is Talking Heads, and I wanted to get up to New York and see the David Byrne American Utopia before it went off Broadway. It's not a question of if, it's a matter of when, and it is undefeated. Sex, father time, taxes, diarrhea. Okay, okay Alvin, Shaquem Griffin. Just go for it. You may fail, but there's nothing wrong with failing because with each fail comes closeness to success. So you gotta keep going after it. Pylonidal infection. Pylonidal. Pylonidal. Pylonidal infection. I mean, that word's turning me into James. Kelly. Man, I'm a little pissed off right now. I'm actually going through my tickets, Jim, to see if that Scotty Scheffler ass infection cost me some money at the open right now. <laughs> the throat herpes is like probably like on the lower end of like just atrocities. I don't appreciate it. I had not seen her snaggletooth in a long time. Thank you, Jim. Appreciate you. I'm excited to see how he uses diary kills. Can we start the Python family? <laughs> Guy. Tour all day. I made it. I was a drop on the Jim Rome show. <laughs> You're the best. Only you could make me want to move to Wisconsin, brother. Brother, don't you dare move, Russ. West Brick. A little scuffly. Top of your butt crack. <laughs> Good night now! Good night now!